Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 174. Yeah. The matching shirt episode. Well, we're, we're kind of... Kind of. Yeah, we're like in the... What's the... It's not pastel. It's like... A, yeah, I, I guess we're like in I a pastel. like Easter colors, but yeah. it's, it's like summer. It's like, you know, it's still in. You know, I can like, see that. I don't know what the rules are. I know there's like fashion rules of like how long you can wear certain colors. And you know, are there it like, really? It's like not not wearing white after Labor Day. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm, I'm not into fashion enough. But, you know, even though we're both kind of wearing pastel colors here, I don't think blue and green. I mean, because they're the same pastel, it's true, OK, true, true, true. but it's it's not a good match. I think I think it's a uh, hopefully well, it's what threw me off. Thing. I don't wear this kind of stuff ever. And I just found this random shirt and I'm like. Let me just put it on. And then of all days, I look in, in the studio when I walk in and I see Mike and I'm like, huh, yeah. what are the odds? But then again, if you ever caught our, remember the episode of Primetime Treasure? Like we were reading each other's minds. It's true. It was kind of strange. But, it is strange. But it happens. It happens right. when you work with uh, somebody long enough. <laughs> so can, can you can you read my mind and know what this episode's about? Um, well, if I know you, which I think I do. You're getting really excited for uh, for Q4 time. So I am. I'm assuming this is probably a Q4 episode. Yeah, it is. And it wasn't supposed to be. Like, I, I had thought, you know what? Let's wait a little bit because we really don't know what's going to happen. Things are kind of, I don't know if tenuous is the right word. Tenuous means like it could be bad. So I don't think that's the right word. But I am highly optimistic about Q4, but cautiously reserved. Mm. Does that make sense? Is that an oxymoron yeah. right there? Yeah. Um, maybe cautiously optimistic. Okay. That's a that's a phrase <laughs> I use. There we go. At least I'm not saying buttons. Yeah. Well, buttons. Well, you are now. If you caught our last live, catch it. Catch it. Wait, hey, I got paid to correct my wording. <laughs> so I'll take that any day. All right. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about prepping for major profits in Q4. Because have you heard the term Q5 lately in the reselling community? Some people saying it. No, I mean, it makes sense. Um, I mean, I understand why people are saying that because kind of experiencing a Q4 right now, as it were, with with sales being as high as they are. Um, I mean, obviously, that doesn't make actual sense because you can have five quarters. But uh, it, it, I do understand the mentality of Q3 acted a lot more like Q4 than it would normally, you know? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Uh, or or we could just say we have a double Q4, which is so, kind of cool. Something like that. And it, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of insane because... The work that you've had to do to get Q4 numbers isn't the same work that I've had to do in the past to have Q4 numbers. Like it, it's been actually easier. Like you haven't had to list as much. You haven't had to source as much as you're sourcing the right products. But here's the thing. I really am concerned that I'll get complacent and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. But I really believe that this Q5, I should maybe <laughs> turn it up even more than I did last Q4. Because, I mean, it's, I mean, I see where you're going with that. But one of the things I notice a lot of times is Q4, you go so hard that that it's almost it's <laughs> almost unhealthy, I feel like. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. Like, when no, we ever talk about, like, maybe you're going to burn out. And a lot of times you have regrets of, like, hey, you know, I spent, spent a lot of money. Am I going to make that money? Would I have been better off doing this? You really want to go harder and add extra stress? Is it I, worth it? I, I think I do. And this is why I know more than I did the year before and the year before that and the year before that. I would say probably for the first time since I've started reselling, I think I have not a complete grasp, but more of a grasp on how to play the game in Q4. Because I always burn. I, there's always a fail on Q4, right? This last Q4, it was those Ryan piggy banks that I bought. Earn like four thousand dollars worth of them. The year before that, um, and actually, 
Was this past? No, the year before that, it was those dolls that you and I had mm. bought, right? And we, we and, still broke even. Everybody can remember fingerlings. And, and then, yeah, the year before it was fingerlings, right? So there's always those. But then this last Q4, there were some fire items. I mean, I remember I talked about that one item that I made at least $10, uh, $10, 10K net profit on that one item, right? And right now, I think we're in a place... Like people don't want to go shopping. Like hey, we've talked about this. Like, have you tried to go shopping like at a retail store? Not like a grocery store, not not Costco. Like those stores are pretty easy to get into. But the retail stores, have you tried any of not that? Not really. I mean, the only stores that I, I frequent on a on a you know regular basis, I would say, is gonna be Target, maybe Walmart if there's a specific thing we're picking up, or maybe looking to do some sourcing. Or Home Depot. So okay. even though Target and Walmart, those would be really big retail stores. Um, I would, it's not, I guess like your mall, right. As it were like the kind of stores people are going to. Um, but I mean, a lot of our retail arbitrage comes from places like Target or Walmart or off price stores. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Cause when I'm in targets and Walmarts, I remember when, when everything first happened, at least here in California, you had to stand in line. They kind of counted how many people were going into the store, uh, how many people were coming out and they were kind of really regulating that. And I feel like that's kind of fallen on the wayside a little bit, at least here. There's, it depends there, where you go. Yeah, there's a few stores. So the off-price stores, it's all about like you must be in line. Really? And it's and we talked about this in the last podcast where it's kind of nice, but I have the anticipation that there's going to be a lot of people like even regardless of you know where you land on the data. I think overall as a country, I think there's a lot of people that are going to be uber cautious come this Q4 about going shopping, right? And you know. Walmart and Target saying they're not going to have their normal Black Friday hours. And and the fact that right now, I mean, if you go to some of the off-price stores in California, they're really low on inventory. I think people, like even right now, I got a message uh, yesterday. Hey, I want to buy this item. I'm already shopping for Christmas. It, it's August, man. It's August. But I think people right now are going to go online. And that's why I have a major, major, I don't know, it's not a conviction, but it's a drive to say, hey, I'm going to go hard at this Q4, but it's going to be strategic. And and I know a lot, I think we talked one time and and it was kind of like, do we really need to do another prepping for Q4? Like this is like the the normal. We always have this episode. Right. Right. But if I, it seems that every time we do it, it's it's different. Right. There's a little different flavor, a little yeah. different Q4 info. 2020, I think, is going to be uh, unique in the sense that everything in 2020 has been unique. So <laughs> this is such an yeah. understatement. <laughs> Such an understatement. All right. So three things I broke down into. One is having all your things in order, which is a given. And we'll talk about that. Two, research. What type of research? And three, scaling. Like if if this is the time to scale, what does scaling look like for you and how do you want to scale? So the first part, how, how's your capital going? Have you been like we talked about this Mark Meyer in his interview about being, you know, inventory light and cash, cash heavy, I guess, or cash rich, whatever. How's that going? Yeah, I think that was okay for a while uh, as far as at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the beginning of lockdowns and shutdowns. We're looking at, you know, a month or two in. Uh, I think that model made sense. And I, I do think I've shifted more and more towards a fast nickel. I want to get stuff out of my warehouse as fast as possible. However, based off of things opening up as much as they are opening up and being able to go to thrift stores, garage sales starting to happen again, uh, I don't see as much of a need to try and sell everything because sourcing isn't possible. I see that sourcing is now more possible than it was a couple of months ago. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's easier to do now than it was a couple of months ago. So I, I don't feel like being inventory light is necessarily 
the only or the wise thing to do this far into it. I think it made sense a couple months into it, but if you have the ability to source and get things, then it, in some ways it's got to be business as usual, right? Like in some ways mm-hmm. you want to just source as many things as you can source that's profitable, get it listed and get it out as quickly as possible. Uh, if if that makes sense for, you know, the style of selling you're doing, you know, fast nickel, slow dime. And going into the the road trip that I did, I would say I pretty much drained a lot of my bank account. Now, I still have enough capital in my business bank account to handle any big purchases that I have or or just the day-to-day. I'm going to thrift sellers. I'm going garage sales. Uh, But I had built up a a really large capital base, and I spent a bunch of that on the trip, whether it was stuff getting ready for the trip, stuff for the trailer, um, actual inventory while I was sourcing, um, gas along the way, those types of things, right? It it made a huge hit. So I would say right now, I'm the opposite. I'm actually probably inventory heavy and capital light. Okay. So now that being said, knowing that Q4 is coming, I think I need to really turn on and kind of fire up that uh, fast nickel approach, get everything listed and get as much of it sold as quickly as possible so that I can go into Q4 with a little bit of space in my warehouse and with a little bit more money so that I can go out and do those, whether it's retail arbitrage or whatever, what other, whatever other type of sourcing I plan to do for Q4. Yeah, no. And and that's what I want to talk about is that if there's ever a time like, and right now we're, we're in a position that pretty much anything is selling. Now, I'm not saying it's selling at a velocity. Like you, you list something that, you know, I don't know, you listen, Ed Hardy. Sure. Like that's not going to like flip within 24 hours. It may not flip for 24 years. But you you want to move through that inventory. Now, the reason I say that is if you don't have capital, if you do have capital and you're good to go, then th- that's not that important. The key thing is to have some form of capital, right? And my capital in Q4, and I know it, it sounds terrible because we're doing the total money makeover level up review is credit cards for me. It's actually one credit card, but I always pay it off. It's good to go. Da da da. So find a way that works within your system to be ready to spend because you don't know what's going to be hot. The reality is you actually don't know what's hot until maybe mid-October. And then that shifts at any time. And whether it's you're doing retail arbitrage or even if you're just doing sourcing for used goods. And you know we talk about used goods don't sell as much. And I think this Q4, I think, I, I don't know, I, I'm half and half. There's part of me that thinks like it's going to be worse for used goods is Q4, but there's a part of me that goes, if the economy is in a downturn, more people are going to be willing to buy used goods because they're going to have less to spend. So I don't know. I'll share a little bit about my philosophy being, on that. Being 50-50 on that is like uh, the perfect scenario because you can't be wrong. Right? It's like uh, <laughs> it's like the weatherman. It's like today there's a 50% chance of rain, no matter what happens. That is true. That's a good he point. Is right. that's, a good, that's a good point. So, But have some kind of capital. You don't want to go into the scenario trying to put together money. And now with managed payments... Those of you that have jumped in managed payment, if you're noticing, it takes three to four days for that money to end up in your account, even though it's a daily payout. And I could be wrong, but this has been my experience lately. I thought daily payouts meant that the day, as soon as it ended, the next day, that money would end up in my bank account. And that's not the case. The case right now is, yeah, you get paid out that day, but then it's three to four days to transfer into your bank account. So you want to have capital already set aside that you're not depending on sales to have money to roll over and to buy more inventory. Yeah. I mean, even going back to our total money makeover, one of the things that um, we haven't really gotten into it heavy yet, we're going to in our next section, 
uh, but it's the idea of like really budgeting kind of envelopes, putting money ahead of time and knowing, okay, Christmas is coming up this year. So if I typically spend $800 a year on Christmas for my family and friends and all of that, then I should divide that by 12 and divide that maybe by 24, however many paychecks you get, 26, and then put that amount aside each month so or each paycheck. So when that time comes for Christmas, it's not, I need to take $800 on a credit card. You've already built it up. So maybe even kind of thinking you could start now prepping for Q4, but Q4 is really right around the corner, especially when it comes to sourcing. But start thinking about that in the future, right after your Christmas time. Maybe it's wise to say, okay, I know that Q4 is going to come again. And instead of just using all of my money for my business for more capital and more things that might get tied up and it's not liquid at all, is to say, I'm going to set a portion of the money aside knowing I want to have $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 in an account ready to go that I can pull out at a moment's notice once Q4 hits. And it's not going to impact you at all. And you've kind of been prepping for that throughout the year. I think that's a great plan. I mean, it's again, it's not a surprise that Q4 is happening, right? Right. So, but... Yeah, so you can go either a- angle. You the key thing is being responsible with the, the inventory. I just one of the worst things that can happen is you find a fast selling item, whether it be and most of the time it's not a thrifted item. Usually it's a retail arbitrage item, and you have access to that item, but you have no way of buying it. Like that, that just hurts. <laughs> it just it, it's you don't want to miss out on the opportunity. So if that means on eBay right now, taking a bunch of your, you know, items that haven't sold in forever and putting them all on auction and putting them at a number that you're comfortable with and just moving it out. Do that. I've, I'm actually, I'm about 70% ready to do that. I've never done that because I'm a, so, uh, I'm so a long tail. Like, I don't care if it takes eight years, like I'm willing to wait cause I'm still make profit on it, but I don't know. I'm also not looking forward to packing like a hundred items on a Sunday night. Yeah. But then again, you're clearing out space. You are, Increasing the amount of capital you have right away that you can spend on other things that are more profitable. Again, it's something that takes you a year, two years to sell. If you're making a fraction of that profit on an item, but you can sell one every single month, that ends up in the long term and equals out to more, right? So mm-hmm. you kind of have to weigh out how much extra work is that compared to letting it sit versus how much extra capital can I have total, you know, based off of reinvesting that kind of compound interest. Uh, and again, that might be a great way liquidating stuff. Um, even if it's, Hey, I'm going to take a bunch of stuff that's been listed. That's not selling. Maybe it was a bad buy, you know, and I'm going to go get either do a garage sale or I'm going to go get a, a, a booth at a swap meet. And I'm just going to try and liquidate as much stuff of this like, as I can. So I've got some empty totes and some empty shelves and maybe an extra four or $500 that I can go and drop on the Legos or the fingerlings or whatever it is you're picking up. The fingerlings. All right. And that's great that you mentioned totes. So next part is inventory management. Being organized with inventory is is great but the time to do it is not in q4 like you have to be ready to go and i I explain this so if you're a multi-platform so i do amazon i do ebay i literally ignore ebay probably for like a month i I would say all through like mid-november through mid-december i do list still i i end up you know hiring a lister and and she takes pictures and i still do my listing but for the most part like ebay runs on autopilot all i'm waiting for is you know sales to come in and you know, I pack and I ship it. But here's the thing: if you don't have an inventory management system, right, you can lose so much time. And this has been happening to me lately. I don't know what's been going on, man, but I've put stuff in totes. I have my inventory managed system. I go to my custom SKU label on eBay. So the custom SKU label is in your listing. You put where you put it, and then something sells, and then the custom SKU label isn't there. 
And it is the worst feeling in the world because number one, it's hot. Then you're in the storage unit. And, you know, I think I have like, mm, let's say 35 totes. I got of shoes. That's just shoes. So I have to go through 35 totes of shoes and hope that maybe by tote eight or tote 11 or tote 21 or whatever, I find those shoes. It's kind of weird that how sometimes it ends up being tote 35. Yeah. Right. And then the worst part is, let's say you go through all those totes and you still don't find it. So then you got to start back at one and you start going through it again. That could sometimes take 45 minutes, an hour. It could take more. And during that time, you're losing out on time that you could be sourcing for Q4. You could be shipping something else. You could be listing something else. Yeah. I oftentimes hear people say things like, I can't afford to spend time organizing or I can't afford, you know, time to get that kind of system in place. I would say you can't afford not to, right? Because hundred percent because if you if you spend think about that, if you spend an extra 10, 15 minutes per item, the occasional item you're spending an extra half hour to find, and that happens five, six, seven times in a month. You could have spent a fraction of that time getting organized once and you'd have saved all of that time in the future, not just now, but but ongoing. And so, yeah, it might be annoying to say, you know what, I'm going to take a day. Maybe it's Saturdays for you. Maybe you work full time and, and Saturdays are normally the days you go sourcing. But maybe you say, you know what, this Saturday, instead of sourcing, I'm going to spend the whole day organizing, getting ready, making sure I've got my systems in place, that I'm as efficient as possible. And that's going to be a longer term payout, especially if you stay on top of it. I mean, it's like anything. It's like, you know, sometimes cleaning a house or cleaning a room can be an all day thing. Right? I remember that as a kid, you know, parents come in the room, you got to clean your room and it's, it, it, it takes forever to get yeah. everything organized. But then once you have a place for everything, it, it really is amazing. Cause then if you stay on it, if you stay on top of the organization, if you stay on top of the, the pattern that you're doing, you know exactly where things go, you know, where you put the tape, where you put the scissors, where there's a place for it and you can find it quickly. And when it goes to putting things away, it takes 30 seconds instead of 10 minutes because you're trying to find where should this go. So, you know, spending the time at, at the front, it's, it is, it's like a, it's a, an investment you're putting right in the beginning and you're not going to see the payments of that right away. Other than the fact that when you are in order and you're not in chaos, when things are organized around you, there is such a stress relief. It's hard to even imagine unless you've experienced this. If you've lived in chaos, if your storage unit or whatever it is, your organizational system is chaotic, you are carrying a certain amount of baggage on you all so the time true. that you don't even realize. Like you're not even thinking about it, but it's always just there because there's just this chaos, like just impending doom on you. And then as soon as things are organized and you're in, in order, it's like a weight has been lifted. You might not even realize it was there, but you're going to sleep better. You're going to feel better. And then that's going to allow you to be more productive day after day and in the daily tasks. So, you know, spend the time now. It's you're, you're right. Like spending the time trying to figure out how to get organized at the height of Q4 when, you know, you really want to be hitting store to store to store. That's not the time to do it. Um, maybe you have to do it then because you just can't function unless you do, but you're better off doing it now. Yeah. Agreed. And the the key thing is it's it's super it's super important to understand that that organization is going to play out later on like this is it's a, you're doing you're thinking about Q4 but it's a long term fix right it's it's maintenance after that and i'm i'm telling you it was here here's the other here's the other side you got to think about if during Q4 you're doing eBay and you lose an item 
And usually, you know, I, we share with you guys on Instagram all the time and I've shared on the podcast like a way to get a workaround so you don't have to put item out of stock. Usually you message the buyer and you say, hey, I'm so sorry about this. I'm not sure what happened, but this item is no longer available. You're welcome to cancel this purchase and you can have anything in my store for 15% off. Please let me know how to proceed. And then they usually tell you just cancel it and then you can hit buyer ask to cancel and it doesn't count against you. But here's the thing. Let's say that doesn't happen. Sneaky, sneaky. Well, yeah, but it's, it, I mean, it works. I, I've, I mean, to this point, it's worked. But here's the thing. One of the defects you do not ever want is item out of stock. I, it is a double, it can be a double defect, but it is a major defect that I can say slows your store down. I know plenty of people have had that defect and it will push you down in the search and the algorithm. I don't know exactly how, but you don't want that to happen during Q4. So if you're organized, you can always find your inventory. You're way better off always, but especially during Q4. So inventory management. Yeah. All right. And then bookkeeping. So that's yeah. another one. That That's an ugly one. So easiest way. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. I, it doesn't have to be, but you know, it's, especially if you're doing a lot of retail arbitrage, like you, you got to have things in order. So for me, the easiest way I have it done is I have GoDaddy bookkeeping. Some people say QuickBooks. You could do QuickBooks too. Uh, but I have my credit cards and I have whatever I use to make purchases on that account. So whenever I buy something on that account, I can assign it. So if it, if ever anything is bought at a certain target, it will always say cost of goods sold and it automatically pushes there. I don't have to go up and do any follow-up. Mile IQ. I use Mile IQ for my mileage. I never have to worry about tracking my mileage, right? If I buy anything in cash, all I have to do is put insert it in my GoDaddy bookkeeping, what it was, and it's done, right? But you want to have all that in place because I actually had a, we had a message about a week ago of somebody said this last Q4, I did no bookkeeping and taxes were due recently. Yep. And they're like, I had the most horrendous time. I will never, ever do this again. Right. Yep. And I'm telling you, I, I, my, I myself haven't been the best lately about receipts because pandemic, you know, we've all been kind of like, oh, well, who cares? And I've, you know, my, <laughs> some people that, that are good friends of us will laugh. They know where I keep my receipts. I keep it in the middle console of my car. And if you can go on my car right now, it's like, there's all these receipts shoved in there. And, Come on, and, man. And, and, and I, <laughs> I would just be real. Just get be one real. of those, get one of those like accordion envelope, you know, containers no, and I do know. it by month. And then. No, I have those. Or scan it, those. take pictures of them and put it in. Yes. Use Evernote. Evernote's I, a great program. I mean, I'm not saying it's the best necessarily for receipts, but man, you can use a program like Evernote, even the free version of it, not a sponsor, and organize things like receipts, business cards, um, you know, ideas, inventory, you know, locations, all of that stuff is a great place. And have it done digitally. I mean, I, I did that a lot of the paperwork that we have that's like people will keep in like a, a firebox or a safe in their house because it's like the important paperwork. Now, of course, some of it, you need the, the actual copy, birth certificate, social security cards, things like that. Uh, but a lot of stuff, you can just have digital copies. So yeah, you, don't need, you copy. don't need receipts anymore. Yep. I mean, if you get audited, they may ask for it. But reality is you don't need them. So you're right. Yeah. So and I, I share this from experience. Here's the thing with mileage. You got to think of mileage. In, in the sense of you're making money, right? Because yeah. no, no, you do, you do. And this is what I mean. In the sense that you are driving, right? And you're, you know, sometimes it doesn't cost you as much as what the government will pay you out. 
Like, I think the government pays you out like 53 cents a mile. Yeah, I mean, you might think that that's, that's the case. However, the wear and tear on your vehicle, and if, you, if, you, if you're buying a, let's just say you go used cheap, and you're buying a $10,000 car, and you drive it into the ground in a business in two or three years, that, that's an actual cost of $10,000, plus all the maintenance you had to do for it, and okay, all so the Okay, so let's, let's word it differently. You're losing money. If, you're, like, if you drove 1,000 miles... Right, if we do the math, if you drove a thousand miles and you didn't, I, this is easy math, but I just want to make sure I'm right. It's like a little over five grand. Yeah. But that's a tax deduction. It's not the same thing as. Yeah. But if you end up owing taxes. No, that, it's huge. Yeah. A thousand miles, that's $530 off your taxes. Yeah. Right. That, that I can't even tell. I, let me, let me give you a scenario. So there was this one time when I did my taxes and my, my tax preparer forgot to put the mileage in. Oh my. The, the, that was, so monumental. And that's what I'm saying. If you go through a Q4 and you're not tracking mileage, you have no idea how much money you're losing. Yeah. How much money you're losing. I can't, if out of everything I tell you right now, I would say the one that is most tangible and will most affect your pockets that, you know, if you do absolutely nothing about it, it's going to be the mileage one. Yeah. It, especially if you're doing retail arbitrage and you're driving all over the place. Yeah, you got to track miles for sure. So, all right, so that's. Do, do I need to talk about spreadsheets? Yeah, um, no, I mean you should be using them. Everybody should use spreadsheets. Yeah, just some kind of system where you do your cost of goods sold, how much you paid for something, and, and you know what it sold for and the profit. And usually, you know, GoDaddy can keep some of that. You should talk to a CPA and talk to a tax person uh, because there's different ways to calculate that number too. Yeah. So. And here's the thing though, I would recommend, I highly recommend everybody take a basic course. You could probably get them free off the internet or just watch YouTube on Excel or Google sheets and just learn the basics of how to do lookup tables, how to do or charts. hire somebody to do it. I mean, yeah, if, or, uh, either you, way. you could do that. You could hire somebody to do it, but if you're keeping track of that stuff, the amount of data you have available to you to look at things like what was my actual net profit margins? What were my cost of goods for oh, this yeah, month? Agreed. What, what, how much am I spending on, on, you know, expenses versus you'll actually have data that will help you realize how much money you're making. Cause a lot of times if you're, if you're not keeping that kind of information, you really have no idea. Like at the end of the year, you might say like, I have this much in my bank account and I owe this much in taxes. So I think I've made this much total, but it just like with Dave Ramsey's uh, plan that we talk about, if you don't know exactly where every dollar is going, there's seepage happening. You are losing money. Maybe you think you made like, yeah, I made like a thousand dollars this month on inventory, but maybe you actually didn't. Maybe you bought stuff and you lost money on some items and you made money on some. And so you really want to have that data available to you. And again, it's one of those things where five minutes every day of putting in information can give you data that will completely change the way you do business. And you might be able to find like, I can make a 10% difference in my on my my gross or net income each year if I switch to doing this or I focus on these or I change my shipping on this. So you really, you need to have some kind of a system. Now, can you make it without it? Sure. But if you have that system, it's like, it's going to get you that edge. It's going to get you 10% further, which that could be a make or break for a lot of people. Agreed. Agreed. So bookkeeping, get it done. Yeah. All right. Next research. So this is this is something that I never really thought about. I know it sounds crazy until I had to get serious about things. And I really didn't get serious about things until I was full time because then I actually had to like pay bills and stuff uh, from from reselling. So the first part is 
definitely look at if this is your second Q4, your third Q4, or whatever it is, look back and see what sold well the year before. Because there are certain items that regardless of the Q4 always sell well. Like there's an item right now that I'm going to be sourcing again. And actually right now, if I flip this item, I could sell it at a premium because you can't find it anywhere. But usually sometimes there's items that only show up like in October. It's weird. And they're not hot items. They're just, for whatever reason, the manufacturers decide to allow this toy to be sold at this time or this item or this apparel or whatever. I mean, they probably know just the way you do that this is, they've done all of the, the, the marketing, they've done all of the research and they realize, you know, this style or this color box or whatever it is tends to do better around Christmas time that catches people's eye. People think of this as, hey, this looks like a gift quality stuff. Because a lot of times when you see things that are like gifts or gift boxes or like giftable things, those aren't going to, you're not going to be picking them up throughout the year, but towards Christmas time, you're, Ooh, this would be great for so-and-so, right? Mm -hmm. So having certain items on the store shelf year round might not make sense for a company because they kind of have that look or feel of this is a giftable item. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And so take a look because there's, I'm thinking about two items right now that I've probably for the last four Q4s have consistently sold. And I've never shared on the podcast because (laughs) it consistently sold. So even even Mike doesn't know. I don't think, maybe Mike knows. I don't know. So messed up, man. (laughs) Hey, you won't even go to garage sales with me. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I share with you. I do share with you. No, we're good. So we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey, everyone. Ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code, all in caps, PureHustle25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to Sellhound.com and subscribe using our promo code, purehustle 25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, 
Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our, our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your, your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. All right. Next is look at what is selling well now. Now, this is a strange one. And the only reason I introduce this now is because of the pandemic, right? Because I do have a feeling that there are certain items that I was selling in early June that are still hot and it's August. Now, maybe because it was a summer thing. I'm not sure. But I get the sense that there are certain things that, you know, just because of the scarcity of the item, like because people can't get their hands on certain things that people may be gifting it. I don't know. It sounds weird, but you know, it's kind of like people always gift socks, right? Or people always gift, you know, are, what are those uh, hard to get items? <laughs> well, the item I'm thinking of, yes, no, not socks. I'm just giving an example. Maybe gotcha. it was a poor example, but take a look. Cause that's and toilet paper. People might be gifting toilet paper. Just kidding. Glad we're, aren't you glad we're out of that? I'm so, I'm so glad we're out of that, but I did, you know, I still find people on social media, like, it's coming like power outages and like all this stuff. Like, I'm not saying that stuff may not happen, but what I'm saying is we're in such a frenzy of like, think of all the conspiracies that are out right now, like all kinds. Like you can, like you can literally spend an entire day and scroll on social media and go down a bunch of rabbit holes about conspiracies right now. Right. And it's because there's so much uncertainty. So that uncertainty creates a demand for certain goods which creates scarcity. And that's why I believe that certain items that even though, you know, they may, they, they may go up and down a little bit. There's still a demand. There still may be a demand in Q4. So take a look, take a look, maybe something that, you know, I, I say puzzles, right? Puzzles were so hot back in, I don't know, what was it? March, April? Like it was insanity, like $5 puzzles selling for like $50. That may be the case again. Right. Because if, if um, and the reason I say that is because it's gifting time. Right. And maybe a lot of people developed a, Ooh, an addiction an, to puzzles. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, who knows? Like, yeah, it's one of those things too. Like, you know how I always joke about this with my wife. I hope she listens to this episode. Um, she, she had a, a necklace that she got. It was like a costume jewelry necklace and it had an elephant on it. And she went to right before my son was born, she went to Barnes and Noble and she was buying like random books and she bought like three or four, you know, books for an infant, like just a little toddler, kid books, flip through books. And two of them, like one of them was an elephant book, like it had a big elephant on the front. Another one was like, like zoo animals or safari animals. And there was an elephant picture in the corner. And so the guy checking her out says, wow, you are really into elephants, aren't you? And she's like, no, not really. But then I jokingly, whenever, you know, she was like around people, someone would say something like, yeah, Heather really loves elephants. And she would always say, stop telling people that I'm going to get elephant stuff for nice. Christmas. Right. Nice. But that's the thing. Like, so yeah, so maybe people, you know, they were doing a puzzle because they were in quarantine and, you know, they Skyped or FaceTimed grandma and they're like, yeah, I'm doing this puzzle. And so now grandma's like, ooh, Little Johnny loves puzzles. We got to get puzzles, you <laughs> that know? Could be, that could be really bad for returns, man. Like, okay, <laughs> so, so there's the there's the other side of Q4. Like, we may end up with a lot of returns because there's going to be a lot of 
things that people thought others wanted, that wasn't the case. Yeah, well, the, those are returns usually to places like Walmart and Target. I, I can't imagine if you gift... Usually, if, if somebody gifts you something and you return it, you don't like give it to them and they return it. You're just like, oh, thank you. And then you go to Target or Walmart and return on your own. Or you go right? to Amazon. Right. So, but if you didn't buy it, you can't return on Amazon. Yeah, you can. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they gift it to you. All you do is you go and hit the return. Oh, you mean if somebody... Okay, I'm thinking if somebody bought it on Amazon and shipped it to you via Amazon. You're saying somebody bought it yeah. and shipped to them and then they shipped it to yeah, you. That's, yeah. usually, that's usually how gifts work. Someone okay, gives no, you a no. box with a gift in it. No, not, not these days. Because of the pandemic especially. Like A lot of yeah. people are gifting. Like They'll buy something on Amazon and they'll ship it. They'll, they'll drop ship it. Yeah, I'd be surprised though. Maybe that still is going to be what happens. But if I, I, it's hard for me to imagine and maybe that's the case that we're going to be at that level of lockdown or quarantine or people still that um, you know, that much concern that people aren't going to like gift wrap gifts. Like, I think there's something about that and getting a box from Amazon. Cause we've had that, you know, baby registry, wedding registry, things like that, where you get the box and you open up the Amazon box and there's just like a little like receipt inside of it. That's like, this gift is from John Smith or whatever. Um, I, I, that isn't, it's not as personal and people love the reason why they give gifts isn't to just give like, yeah, but the think thing. about it. If there's an older population that's affected by the pandemic, right? And there's a lot of people that aren't going to want to go out. That may be the route they, they go. I don't know. I still don't think, I think if, I think when you say older population, I, I think if grandma and grandpa is buying a gift for their grandkid, they're not going to necessarily, and maybe some do. Right, let us know in the comments. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Do, you, do you think the gifting of this Q4 is going to be all via Amazon, via whatever, like a dropship way, or people are going to buy and then ship it out to their loved ones? Yeah. Or, or give it to them in person. Or give it to them in person. Who knows? Maybe we'll be done with all of this in November. We'll see. Who knows? All right. Hey, the other part is researching where to sell. And what I mean by this is I do more cross-posting during Q4 than any other time. Also understanding that certain items sell for more on certain platforms than others. So the given is Amazon, as of right now, you know, Walmart Plus is kind of making its way in. I, I see some posts on, on Instagram right now. People are sending stuff into Walmart Plus. I still think Walmart's going to be king. I mean, no, Walmart. I still think, see, it's already happening. I still think Amazon is going to be king this Q5. But think about, like, where things sell best, right? And, and be familiar with those platforms now, right? Test the waters now, right? Because, for example... I do believe Macari is a great place to sell toys. I think toys do really well, uh, depending on what kind of toys. But for the most part, there there is a different audience on Macari there than there is on eBay. But there also is a different audience on eBay that's willing to pay more for things than they're willing to pay on Macari, right? Poshmark is mainly clothing, right? And so a lot of people are going to go there for clothing. So trying to sell hard goods. Now, some might disagree. We have one of our followers that does really great selling Department 56 on Poshmark all the time, makes all kinds of bundles. So that may be something you want to test out because maybe you have an advantage by listing something on a platform that others aren't thinking about and you can get a higher premium or you may be able to get more bundles and so on. Good stuff. And also understanding that you got to have a backup plan because what happens a lot during Q4, and I hate this, is that especially if you're doing retail arbitrage and stuff to Amazon, is Amazon drops a hammer. So they may drop that hammer and gate you, or they may now there is, hey, by the way, 
I qualified for unlimited storage. Yeah. My score of 507. So it went up five points and I got the email yesterday. I'm like, yes. But they did put that warning. We are limiting stocking limits. Limiting stocking limits? Yes. All right. <laughs> no, <laughs> limiting stock. So what that means is it's not like back in the day where you could find a hot item and like I'm going to source the entire, you know, West Coast and I'm going to send a thousand units in. You may only be able to send in 200. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to look at how many items people are sending in. And then based on proposed shipments, that's how they're going to limit people. And so what that means is you got to see, okay, can I also sell this item on eBay? Right. I may get a $5 pay cut or $10 pay cut, but if it's super profitable, it's worth it to you. So start trying to figure out where you're going to sell things in Q4. That's good. And then one more thing I want to add to this. We kind of briefly talked about um, what might sell this year, uh, but I, I want to add on this besides just things that are like really hot right now. Think about where kids, young adults, where are they seeing advertisements, right? What are the things that, um, you know, are you watching the YouTube channels, right? Are you watching the silly blippy or whatever kid shows blippy, that, you've been that watching, I know that show. Oh, yeah, That's what I know all these shows, right? So like, dude, that guy makes a killing, right? So watch that stuff and see what toy, like what's popular on YouTube. Like go to YouTube kids and, and look at the different age groups, you know, zero to five, five to 10, 10 to 15. Like what are the YouTube videos they're watching? Okay, is it a certain Minecraft? Okay, is there a certain person, a YouTuber who's doing these videos? Do they have advertisements on there? Um, what are the toys that they're talking about? What are the games they're talking about? If you can kind of spend a little bit of time, I mean, when I was working at the high school level, I'd spend time watching uh, PewDiePie like once a week. I'd just spend like 10 or 15 minutes. I didn't watch all of his content, but enough to understand like, okay, what are the kids talking about? What are the memes they're talking about? What are And so just kind of doing a little bit of cultural research will help you to know, you know, Maybe you're like, oh, I'm going to pick up Ryan's eggs because those always do well. But if you see that Ryan's world or whatever it is, is going down in YouTube and there's another show coming up, that's the thing you should be keeping an eye out on. So don't be stuck in a certain way of like, these are what kids like. Kids like, you know, Power Rangers. Well, maybe not this year. Maybe it's something else. So you got to pay attention to what what's popular right now. And... Um, what what are the marketers really spending the money on? Because wherever the most money is, and I don't watch TV, so I miss out on commercials, but you can kind of tell like advertisements, YouTube, Instagram. I think YouTube's the biggest tell. Right. So they, not, wherever not the, the money goes, the yeah, so follow the money, right? So if a company's pouring in and you're seeing like every other ad is from a certain company, there's a good sign that their products are going to be hot products. So you know, follow the money in the marketing. Where is the marketing going? And kind of use that as a little bit of cultural research. Yeah. And aside with that, the other catch is don't think that just because you see a bunch of ads like that's going to be the only item, right? Because listen, on the, in the Amazon catalog, to me, anything under 50,000 during Q4 is a hot item. Like I, you know, if it's for 49,999, I'll still source the item because that item will sell through. It depends how many you pick up, but you know, start, start scanning. I mean, not now. I mean, August, I think it's kind of hard, but people are shopping. But I would say once October hits, it's a time, right? And if you can find your own bolo, your own bolo, you will be so much better on it. I mean, some of the items I've had the most luck on, there's only like 10 people on that listing, right? And again, it's not about toys. This is one thing I, we probably should share is that all kinds of things sell during Q4, like all kinds of items. Now, yeah, maybe it's pumpkin pie mix, right? Like, you don't know. Yeah, you don't. But okay, 
So let's, let's, I just I probably, wanted, I probably ruined somebody's bubble there. It, it's possible. <laughs> so, but before we jump into the next, one more thing I wanted to share is, so we get this question all the time, like, should I be buying new items or, or it will thrifted items still sell right during Q4. So I'll give my two cents on it right now. So my two cents on this are, I think they'll both sell, but I think right now based on just the feeling that a lot of people are, are have because of the pandemic and also because there's such a scarcity on, on a lot of things. It's really weird. Like even workout apparel. I went to a TG Maxx the other day that like with the biggest store in San Diego, they only had like about 25% of their normal inventory. Mm. And I kind of was expecting like it was going to be overwhelming. No. And I, I sourced zero from that store. And so I'm right now I am stocking up on new items. Like I, I just found the source for getting newer shoes and I've just been buying it out because here, here's, here's my thoughts because of the economy. And we don't know, we may be in a V shaped recovery and in two months, you know, after November, things might be spectacular or they could be bad. Either way, there is a lack of supply of basic things like, work shoes or workout apparel or, you know, kitchen supplies. I mean, we've talked about bread makers. We've talked about, I mean, espresso machines have been hot too. I mean, there's, there've been different things. So I would say, and this is what I'm doing. I'm not telling you to do it, but what I've been doing is I've been sourcing a lot of new bread and butter items instead of looking for toys right now. Now the time for toys will come. I will be sourcing a lot of toys, but right now, like the hot ones for me is I'm just picking up a lot of new with tags items that I'm seeing aren't readily available because people are going to be like, wow, all summer I was looking for a pair of shoes and look what and so-and-so bought me for Christmas. Right. I, I anticipate a lot of that happening, but that's just my, my Orlando two cents. Yeah. <laughs> Mike has no comment on that one. All right. Hey, it is time for our next segment. One of our favorite things before we get there. If you haven't been following us on social media, we are Pure Hustle Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We're not doing reels, by the way, but on TikTok. Should we do a reels? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know. Anyways, we are Pure Hustle Cast on Facebook. We actually have a Facebook Hustle of the Week. Appreciate all of you on Facebook. I find that the Facebook peeps are like, everyone. everyone's legit, but man, they're, they're tried and true because we show up like every two weeks and comment on something they comment on like a week ago. So... Sorry about that. We're, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Hey, and if you haven't had a chance, you can always leave us a question or a hustle of the week at 619-738-1170 at 619-738-1170 or shoot us an email at purehustlepodcast at gmail.com at purehustlepodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you guys for buying shirts. Every time I mention that people are buying shirts, people buy shirts. So I'm going to mention it again because I'm really grateful because it helps us be able to do other things on the podcast. Um, Mike and I are always thinking outside the box. We have some ideas in the hopper. Does that work? Can I use that terminology? Yeah. And uh, which is re going to require a little bit of funding on our end for us to make those things happen. So really appreciate that. Yeah, we should like Indiegogo it or something. <laughs> Just do that. Is that kind of like the, uh, is that like a Kickstarter kind of yeah. deal? Okay. Okay. And also uh, thank you all for the, and not the Instagram, the Apple reviews really helpful. And uh, yeah, just thank you for the donations and everything you guys do for us. All your support, always appreciated. Yeah. Are you ready for the... I am ready for the... Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. 
I need to get a better soundboard app because there's always like a delay after I hit it before it actually starts. Uh, and, and that's awkward. It's okay, but you know what? Our countdown on the live worked out. Did it? I, it was smooth. Good. Good job, yeah. Mike. Thank you. All right. I tried hard. Hustle Tried of the it. week. Yeah. All right. So our first hustle of the week comes from Zach Becker. This is one of our uh, our peeps on Facebook. So this is one of our, maybe our first Facebook. No, we've had a few. We've had a few. Okay. okay. It's been a bit though. Uh, so Zach Becker uh, went to a garage sale and picked up a box of Pokemon bandages from the year 2000. Uh, so he picked up these bandages for 20 like bandages. Yeah, man, that's a, that's legit. Like some OG... Back when there was only 151 Pokemon, which that's all there should be. If you think there's more than that, you're wrong. Just kidding. Um, so was unable to find any comps listed high on eBay for an obnoxious price. Sold in a couple of days for $100. On a side note, uh, was once on Pawn Stars selling an item he sourced on eBay, which was an IBM Simon, which is the world's first smartphone in 1994. So man, Zach, you're you're like you're pretty legit. That's pretty sweet. And that you're on you're the on show. Podcast. And I mean, this is obviously way cooler than 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 Pawn Stars. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. I mean, I love the idea that there's no comps for this. Obviously, it's a unique item, right? If there's if if it's from year 2000, it's collectible. Um, there's not tons of people selling these. Maybe they're mass produced, but people use them, right? People either use their band-aids or they throw them away. So um, and then I love that strategy. List it super high. Go crazy, right? Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Um, I mean, you can do the idea where you list it really high, and if you don't get any movement or activity on it, then maybe reduce the price by 10 or 15% or more, depending on if you're like, $1,000 for this box. Maybe you need to go down to like 500 for a couple of weeks. Uh, but it's a good idea. Just list high because you might get a few offers, and you could use those to kind of gauge what is this really worth. If you start getting a bunch of offers around 80 to $100, then maybe you know, hey, this is a little bit closer to the price that this is worth. So if you don't know, that's a good strategy. If you don't know a good price, list higher than you think, unless you're really like, I just want this thing gone. I don't care. Yeah, so, yeah good strategy. I, I, I'm impressed. I, I honestly would have never picked those up. I'd been, I would have thought there were some current like band-aids. I mean, wow, I, I was impressed. So great job, Zach. All right. Next, we have Amanda, IG handle A Schoons. Uh, saw a tween. I love how she worded that. A tween. Arguing with his mom at the store that shall not be named. Got so bad, mom put the Sony Handycam down. I wonder how that went down. Like, was mm -hmm. she like, oh, she put it down. All right. Is she walking? Okay. Never came back. She picked it up. Paid $8. Tested as much as possible. Priced it at $150. Sold in two minutes. Wow. Two minutes. Great job. Noticing your surroundings, by the way. Right? Yeah. I mean, you can't beat a kid like whining. I mean, you, you're going to see that. Uh, I have kids, by the way. Don't come at me. All right. Regretted because probably could have sold for more. That's the worst. When things sell really fast, it always it goes through my mind. Like, what did I just do? Mm. Now, I will share. There are some people that have done the whole like, I'm sorry, this is unavailable. Like, You can do that. Like, that's available to you. But, you know, yeah. You're risking that double uh, strike, right? Yeah, you're risking a lawsuit, too. I mean, you, it, technically, you're in a contract. All right. Sold in two minutes. Reg oh, regretted it. Da, da, da. Heard, and so three days later, buyer wanted a return. So now it gets returned. Heard me talking about uh, mentioning that when you get a return, list it higher to cover shipping costs. And actually, I have a perfect story I'm going to share right after this. that just happened during the podcast. She got it back. Gave a full refund, listed again, and sold for $179 the next day. Yeah. That is a double hustle. 
That's right. No, it's good. I mean, it's good that you're able to sell for more, cover the cost of of having to refund the original person. And uh, I'm just like picturing like, so you see them put this down and you see they walked away, never returned. So were you like scoping it out or like, I'm going to give them three minutes to come back and get this. Or is like, as they turned their back and walked away, you grabbed it and then walked away and then just watched. Like, I want to see if they come back and look for it. Like hide behind some well, shirts. Okay. Like all right. oh, I'm sure right. it wasn't that way. But that would be that'd be kind of cool because I'm like, oh, it's gone. I shouldn't have put it down. But yeah, once you put it down, you know, it's fair game. Especially if they turn their back and walk away. Now, if somebody puts something down, I've had this happen. And you put something on the floor because you're looking at something else. Somebody else tries to come grab what you put on the floor. It's like, no, 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 that is mine. Oh, I've sh- I've shared the story. Okay, let me share. I got two stories to share real quick. So, story from probably episode three or something. Do you remember that story about the Batman Legos? Mm-hmm. Right? So, I haven't shared this before, but this actually happened too, where I was at Toys R Us and they were shutting down. I had a Batman Lego set in my hand. I put it down to research it. Some dude's hand comes in and grabs it. And I look at him I'm like, no. Like, that's mine. He's like, no, it's not. You put it down. I'm like, I'm not playing this game with you. Now, I hope, I'm hoping I'm telling the same story I told in episode three. But the guy wanted to like throw down with me and I'm like, no, like you are not walking away with this. And I kept it. But man, it was. And, and and like an employee came in and said, hey, do you want me to throw this guy out for you? But so. So, yeah, you got to you got to watch your surroundings because people people be, you know, they're savage. They'll come in and just take that. Now, the, the story that actually is more complimentary to what uh, Amanda was sharing was this just happened. So during the podcast, I sold a pair of Danner boots. That I listed these. I took a low offer because it was a slow day. It was like 30 bucks. And it got returned. I relisted it and I just sold it for $58 plus shipping. But yeah, here's here's my here's my rationale as to why it sells for more. When people, if they look for sold, they're seeing something sold higher. So if it's sold at a certain price, you can always list it higher because your comps work in there, right? And so you're good to go. If you just list, if you just want to cover the cost, you can do that. If you want to cover the cost and, you know, also make like five, $10 more profit on it, it doesn't hurt. Right. So great thinking, Amanda, great job on that handy cam. Are right, you ready for the next hustle of the week? Yeah. So the next one comes from Spencer, uh, Instagram handle at trackside penny. So started doing uh town wide garage sales about two months ago. Good job. Host. Good job doing uh like bigger, you know, garage sales, really going out there and hitting those garage. If you haven't done it yet, even if you're like a multimillionaire off of retail arbitrage or you're doing private label, get to a garage sale. I'm telling you, there's nothing like picking up something that you pay 25 cents for and you can sell it for a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. So anyways, was encouraged on what it took for, uh, on what to look for uh, by listening to our podcast and found a train ticket book for $4. Couldn't find any comps other than a single ticket from a different railroad. Uh, and had a hunch it was rare uh, due to the size, uh, the age, and the fact that the railroad only lasted from the 1880s to the 1890s. That's pretty intense. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. As a historian, I love that. Hearing so that. mostly purchased because he liked trains and listed for $400, sold in two hours for 280 bucks. $4 to 280 That's the kind of thing that's going to keep you going. Like Agreed. Garage sales like that. So yeah, I mean, look for the unique, look for the old. And if you don't know, look for comps. And if you can't find any comps and you can get it for cheap enough, just go for it. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You put it up for four bucks and you list it for 400 and you're only getting $10 offers. Oh, well, maybe you were wrong, right? But that more often than not, you're going to win. Maybe not this big, uh, but all it takes is a few of these and you're good to go. I, so I, good job, Spencer. 
I'm way impressed. To, way to crush it. I mean, I you know, unfortunately, we don't show images, but literally the book is like probably two inches tall. And, and the bindings maybe, I don't know, an inch. I mean, it's tiny. Like, you could have easily passed that over. So definitely Hustle Week. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Zach, Amanda, and Spencer for sharing your Hustle of the Week. All right, what's yours? So I mentioned on the live that I went to that estate sale. Um, that kind of, it was a Thursday estate sale and I didn't really find anything, even though the house was just amazing. Um, it just looked like somebody was cleaning out like their junk room. And the only thing that I ended up picking up there, I took a bunch of pictures of things that I thought maybe I could do some research on. It happened to be that none of them were actually worth any money. The only thing I picked up was a book set. It was a box book set and it is a biography of Winston Churchill. So it's three books and it's called The Last Lion. And at the time I had zero cell phone signal, which is why I couldn't look stuff up there. I couldn't like, you know, do check comps on anything. And I'm thinking, this is a cool set, right? Like I'm I'm not as much of a history guy as Orlando is, but like anything that's like for me, like I love doing our our level up review. Uh, cause you can learn a lot by these like, you know, kind of tip help books, whatever, where they give you suggestions and ideas. But to me, there's you, the way you really grow the most is by reading biographies and autobiographies. Cause you can kind of see somebody's life and like kind of learn like what made them tick, what made them successful, what were their failures? And you can kind of, it's a slower process. It's a little bit more challenging. It's not just like, uh, here's three simple steps to getting out of debt or building wealth, but it's like, I'm going to read this person's life and try and see if I can figure out what it was that made them successful or, or what were the challenges they were facing. And so to me, I was thinking this box, I, I it's a super clean. The books are really clean. They don't even look like they've been used. The bottom of the box at $125. But like we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, you can't rely on MSRP for a lot of those things. Like sometimes you go to Costco and they have like a book set and it's like, you know, $9.99. And then you look at the bottom and the MSRP is like $69. And you're like, okay, just because they put that there doesn't mean it's worth Agreed. a lot of money. But I was thinking, I'm going to pick this up. And worst case scenario, uh, they charge me $4 for it. Worst case scenario, either I keep it and read it. It's a great gift for anybody who loves history or things like that. Um, World War II stuff. Like this would be a great gift for somebody if it doesn't end up being worthwhile. Because I couldn't research it there. I get home and I look up. And what I notice about this book set is there are a lot of people selling individual books, one of the three. Um, but very few people selling the entire boxed collection. And then the people that I did see that were selling all three of the books, they didn't have the box with it. So I'm seeing multiple comps of the three books together selling for $50, $60 without the box. It's just the books and they kind of look like and they're all pre-owned. Uh, so I think I'm going to be able to easily net $50 to $60 off this purchase, nice. which the reason why it's a hustle, even though it's not like a ton of money is one, I bought this without any research, right? I had no idea whether this was actually going to be worthwhile. Two, I'd already kind of in my mind thought, eh, maybe there's no money here. Right? Like maybe I'm not going to make a significant profit but, you know, maybe it becomes a gift for somebody or something like that. Then to find out, oh, there actually is some money here. Nice. So just that. that Yeah, that, that's a great feeling. Yeah. Whenever you, whenever that happens, you buy something, you're like, hey, I might be able to make 5 or $10. And it comes to find out you can make $100 or $50, right? It, it It's a great feeling. So um, so I'm excited to list it and sell it. I think that's the kind of thing that will go for Christmas. No problem. Uh, even though they're pre-owned, they're, I didn't see any new solds on the, that listing. So... Uh, I, I'm assuming they're not like imprint anymore, uh, but I, you know, there's enough people who are history buffs or really into World War II or Winston Churchill. Uh, so I think this will be a quick, easy sell. 
especially as we get closer to Christmas and, uh, you know, kind of excited about it. So and worst case scenario, if it doesn't sell, I'd still be happy to read it. So there we go. So mine is uh, I've had two hauls that I want to update on. And I'm talking about Harley all the time, but Harley is such a consistent seller. Like it's 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 crazy how I, I saw Harley stuff every week. And actually, I have the lowest amount of Harley stuff now than I've ever had before because I, we haven't been able to source as much. And so I used to have like four or five totes full of just Harley like clothing. And now it's down to two totes. It's kind of weird. And I still have a lot of jackets, but even jackets are selling. So if you remember uh, about a month or so ago, I sourced, I think it was one of the hustle of the week where I, I, oh, that's right. I beat that garage sale that you went to. I went the day before I picked up a bunch of motorcycle seats. So I already made profit. Like I, I think I already mentioned I sold, you know, one of the motorcycle seats and it paid for everything. And I dropped 350 that day. But here was, um, here was the sleeper items, the gloves on both halls. So I had mentioned this in the last podcast. I went to a garage sale. I picked up seven gloves for $10 at this other hall. I picked up the gloves, but the gloves were like an afterthought. Right. It was kind of like, oh, I'll just throw this in. I'm just trying to make myself feel better about the bundle. So this, this is kind of a bolo slash hustle of the week. But the reason it's a hustle of the week is that all these motorcycle gloves I've been picking up, I've never seen the velocity I've seen right now of these things selling. So this last time I had mentioned on the previous podcast, like I sold one pair of gloves for $32. I paid $15 for everything I sourced at the garage sale that day. And then within hours of that podcast, I sold another pair of Harley gloves for $38, right? And I just I just keep sourcing Harley gloves. Like, I can't tell you, like, I cannot hold on to these things for more than two weeks, right? I might have like one or two left over from the hall, but they're hustle of the week because <laughs> it's like you. It was the unexpected. Like, did I think that these periphery items that I was just throwing into the bundle would be the hottest sellers? No, but they're hustle of the week because now I've gained that knowledge going, okay, moving forward. And obviously I may be killing my own market right here, sharing on the podcast, but it's all good. Right. Cause you have to be at the right place at the right time. I, I've learned a niche now that will for right now will always be profitable. Like, and, and I would have picked them up anyways, but now I'm definitely looking for gloves. I'm looking for Harley gloves, not even Harley gloves, like biker gloves are selling well because you may think people don't want them, but for a reason, this is what I've said. There's a scarcity in the market. Like people can't go out and buy what they want or there's such a demand, like, and maybe because I don't know, the Sturgis rally is happening right now as we speak. Maybe a lot of guys or gals were like, hey, we need some biker gloves to go to South Dakota. I'm not sure why, but Hustle of the Week were those Harley gloves. That's all really fast. It's good stuff, man. I like it. All right. Anyways, before I do that, though, did I show you the picture? Look how terrible. Look at that picture. Ooh. So this is where I, maybe we should throw it on the podcast, but it is one of the creepiest glove pictures. Like literally all, all the fingers are distorted on the picture of the gloves and it's still sold within 12 hours for, uh-huh. and it was at the top of the market hustle of the week. Yeah. So lay them out straight. Or if you can't, maybe you should have some like, like paper in the fingers that kind of yeah, like lays out and like puff it up. Like, yeah. So that, that might be a suggestion. I'm not saying you are Londo. Obviously you know what you're doing when it comes to taking pictures of gloves. It was late. I was watching X files. I was like, I'm going to get these listed and I listed them high and they still sold at full price. Oh, there you go. Hustle of the week with yeah. distorted fingers. 
Okay. All right. Let's get back. Let's get back to everything. All right. Last part, scaling. So this is where, you know, Mike, Mike and I go back and forth about this because Mike always asks me every Q4, do you think if you work less, you'd make the same? Or do you think you'd make the same if you did eBay? Or, or, right? And I still think it's a valid question. I still do. But is what I'll say. If there's ever a time for you to scale, it's Q4. Like, I, I think right now you could scale. I think right now during the pandemic, if you find the right items, I think you could scale. But what I mean by scaling is it's time for you to scale up your supplies. So shipping supplies. I'll give you an example. I ordered padded priority envelopes. Remember I had talked about in the last podcast how I've heard rumor that there may be a shortage. I still haven't received them. It's been about three weeks. That's scary. So with that being said, it's probably right now is the time you should be ordering your supplies. We're starting a, a one of those mass, you know, like when everybody went out and bought toilet paper. I wish we were that big. I wish we were that big to cause mass hysteria from our podcast. We're, we're, I think this might, I think, I think every single reseller that listens is going to not only go out and buy or order, and you don't really buy, but order as many, uh, of the USPS. Okay, so several supplies. thousand orders are going out. Okay. And then they're going to tell their friends. And then as people start to realize that they're harder to get, I mean, that's the problem, right? Like if, if you realize that, Hey, they, they were in my post office. Now I walked in and now there's none because a reseller walked in and got them all. You're going to freak out and you're going to order twice as much as you need online. Well, the patterns are never in the post that's office. That's true. So those are, those you must order. Yeah. So you must order. I mean, if we were like Joe Rogan status for like, Joe Rogan's like a political person. Like whether he wants to or not, when he says anything, he has so much influence. Does he have like 5 million subscribers? Something crazy like that. Like he gets like 7 million views. Like, yeah. Okay. We're not, we're not, we're like, we're a fraction of a penny. If where he's at is a dollar. That's where we're at. As far as this goes. Maybe Joe Rogan will have us on to talk about, uh, the, the, the shortage of, of shipping supplies. Once they realize that we're the ones that caused the panic along, along with that coin shortage, mm -hmm. which doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I'm sure there's a reason. And, and again, that there's a conspiracy about that too, right? Conspiracy about maybe there's a conspiracy about padded priority envelopes. Who knows? Let us know in the, the comments below. What's going on with the padded envelopes? Is the aliens? Do they want them? Do they need them for something? I don't know. Is it trying to get us to an envelope less society? Could be. So all right. Anyway, so supplies. The other thing is space. You got to think about space, right? So if you're going to be sourcing a lot during Q4, you, you got to think about where you're going to put stuff, right? Because you don't want to be limited. You don't, you don't want to limit yourself in Q4. If the, I, I had this happen uh, like three or four Q4s ago where the only reason I didn't source as much was I didn't have a storage unit. I just had my condo and my condo was getting out of hand and it still gets out of hand. Actually, right now it's out of hand. But you want to, if, if it's, if now's the time to get a storage unit, get a storage unit. If now's the time for you to make space in your garage, make space in that garage. If now's the time to force all your kids in one bedroom, it's the time, like make it happen. So, all right. And then vehicles, think about vehicles. So I'm going to, I don't know. Do you think I should get a cargo van this time? I don't know. I mean, you always rent. Um, I, I kind of think at a certain point you'd be better off just buying something that size. That's right? true, but I mean, I've already shared this comment. Like, I can't make that my main vehicle. Like, I would have to make it my secondary vehicle. I mean, maybe. Why not? 
You'd be good. Picking up somebody for dinner in a massive cargo van? Like, or, that doesn't work. Or like I said, if you really needed to, um, you know, go uh, go pay a couple hundred bucks and get a, a hitch put on your car and borrow my trailer. That you is know? true. That is very... You know what? Maybe I'll rent a minivan and put a hitch on the minivan and use your trailer. There you go. Wow. Wow. How much inventory? The possibilities are endless. No, and then you, you can add a hitch to the trailer and attach another trailer yes. to it. <laughs> no, but I, I'm really I'm considering doing that with your trailer. Like I think I think it's good because the worst the worst thing I hated about Q4 last time was I had a minivan and I had to go home, unload, and then go back out again. If I could just source, load up, load up, load up, load up, like now, not that I'm trying to like throw your 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 finances out on the podcast, right? But um not necessarily your finances, but how much how much do you spend to rent a minivan for the week or however long? I I usually have it for about three weeks. Okay. Three weeks. And I usually just I spend like seven hundred bucks. I get it early and I get a deal. But even still, like that's what I mean. Like you can buy you can buy a Ford E one fifty van, like a cargo van, probably used for like four thousand dollars. Right. So then that's in a few years it's paid for itself. And Think of all of the opportunities you have to go out and do more sourcing because you have cargo van, right? Yeah. If I did, it would have to be my secondary vehicle. Make it your secondary vehicle. I just, I don't, I mean, I'd rather How many buy, times do you rent a vehicle, not when you're traveling an airplane, but like, do you rent a vehicle to like source LA or something in a year? It's, it's only, it's only during Q4. It's only during that three to four week period. All right. So yeah. the rest of the time I don't. Now. I have had it where like, you know, when Toys R Us was liquidating, I, I picked up uh, a cargo. Actually, it was a cargo van uh, for a few days, but uh, I don't know. But again, it's not about me. It's about helping you guys out. So think about that. Like, think about if you want to scale, is it going to require you having a larger vehicle, right? So it could be maybe having a friend nearby like Mike who has a trailer or it could be a family friend or it could be you buying one or renting one. You just you just got to think about that. So. I mean, you could be stubborn like me and just keep running vehicles, but you know, I, I, I like not having to deal with cars breaking down and all that good stuff. So, all right. Another part about scaling is getting more help, mm. more help. So now did you find yourself really busy this last Q4 at certain points, but you were teaching too and yeah. you know, everything else going on. It's always tough. Cause I mean, one, yeah, I've got a full-time job Two, obviously reselling kicks up a notch. Three, you've got more family in town and more events, right? I feel like, and that might look different in uh, Q4 2020 just because it's 2020. But, you know, like, I feel like as you get closer to Christmas, man, I feel like every single weekend I've got like a gingerbread night at somebody's house and then, you know, some kind of a cookie party on a Wednesday on this house and then like more and more parties. So I feel like November and December just like pack with item, like, like just busyness of life. And so, yeah, trying to figure out, all right, if you're going to just be busier in general in life, you've got to be able to find ways to make the most use out of the time that you have for working as possible. And part of that might be getting some help, whether it's kids, whether it's friends, whether it's actually hiring uh, an employee, not a, not a helper, or, you know, it's around Christmas time. So maybe, maybe you hire your Santa's helper, your Santa's helper. Uh, but yeah, you know, hiring somebody even if it's just like short term, like things like you do, or it's, Hey, like I need you to take pictures or I need you to list maybe shipping. Maybe you, you have somebody who you feel comfortable with shipping, whatever it is that you feel comfortable with that way you can focus on the things you need to focus on. And again, it comes down to, 
I feel like sometimes you save money and you're in a place where you need to save money, right? I wash my own car because I, you know, I want to be able to save the $5 a week or whatever for a car wash or a month or however often you get your car washed. But if you're making more and more money and you're busy, maybe it's worth your time to go pay somebody to wash your car than to do it yourself because that time is more valuable than the money you save, mm-hmm. that $5. So the same thing is true when it comes to this business. Maybe you get to a point where you say, I am more valuable at the store sourcing than I am listing, shipping, packing, whatever it is. And so it's worth it for me to lose 30% of my profit on each item so that I can actually make 80% more this Q4, right? So you kind of have to look at it that way. Are you spending more money? Yes. But are you making more in the long term because you're more profitable doing one thing than trying to do everything? And yeah, you might need to enlist some free help or uh, or some paid help. Yeah. And and that's kind of where I'm at right now. I mean, we talked about, I, I shared this in our Reflecting on Q4 episode that we usually drop in January about hiring a team to source, to pack, and to ship out FBA shipments. And I, see, at that time, I'm like all in, like I'm going to do this. But now I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like I, I, you got to, it's a cost benefit. Like, is it, is it worth it? My, and you know, my personality, my biggest fear is that I'm giving somebody my bolo list. All it's going to take is that person to share with one person and I'm done. So that's, but I don't know. Let me know in the comments. Orlando, are you too mistrusting of people? Let me know. I'm out there. I'm throwing myself out there. Like, tell me, should I trust more people? I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, there, there's been some, uh, if you haven't been following Cindy, uh, amazing taste store on Instagram, she's been dropping some great Amazon stuff content lately. And she, one of the things she said was, this is something you got to think about too, for Q4 is she's in a Bolo group. She recommends Bolo groups. And again, we've said like, you know, there's risk to Bolo group, right? Like there's only so many people you can keep a secret with. And at the same time, like you may be better off finding your own Bolo because you're in less competition. And she talked about, I think she limited that there should only be like 150 people in that Bolo group. And then on top of that, you need to take a look geographically where those people are from. Cause if it's like 150 in San Diego, like we're toast. Yeah. Like I find if, so we have good friends of ours that he told me like, he's going to get his team to source. And the moment he told me that, and I, I've been straight up with him. He knows he listens to podcasts. I told him, bro, like I didn't talk to you all Q4 cause I couldn't share anything with you. Cause, and he's like, I know, man, I know. And, and we're cool. You know what I'm talking about probably. Yeah. So these are things you got to think about. Like, Hey, do you want to be in a group? Is it better for you to just go solo? Just something to think of, but that's going to help you scale coming up with that answer. Yeah, no, that's good. And even with that, um, did you watch that documentary or hear anything that uh, whole blood money story? Um, so long story short, this lady, Silicon Valley, basically created a, a device that didn't work, a medical device that she promised would work. And she ended up becoming a multi-billionaire, creating this company to sell this product that didn't actually work, but she was really good at marketing. Like, I think I've seen it on the news. I think yeah. I know you're talking so, about So, um, So basically the, the item was like, you just dro- a drop of blood and it can analyze all kinds of things, right? And so the whole thing finally collapsed in on itself. Uh, but one of the strategies she used uh, was all of the departments were separated. The engineers didn't know what the what the researchers were working on. The it's researchers like the didn't project, know what the like, like developing a yeah bomb. exactly. So everybody was working on their own stuff, and they didn't know what the others were working on. So when one of them was like, the engineers were like, "Hey, this doesn't work." She's like, "Don't worry, the scientists they have their own." So they didn't know like no group knew. So anyways, the reason I bring that up is because maybe 
if you do decide you're going to hire a team for sourcing, right? Like a lot of times when people hire a, an assistant, they're you're going to do my listing and my packing, right? But even then, they're going to see the items. So you kind of break it up into people who might not be interested. Maybe you know, you know, some high school kids. They've got a driver's license. They want to make some extra money, and you say. Hey, for every fingerling that you pick up and and bring me a receipt for and the fingerling, I'll give you a, I'll give you two bucks, right? So they they've got the incentive to to go to every target in their area, pick them up, give them to you. They make their cash because you know they have absolutely zero interest in you know mm-hmm. shipping and selling and listing. So you got to pick your team, right? I mean, I, I probably wouldn't put together a team of resellers, right? Like facts. You just pick somebody who say like, hey, you know, or maybe just friends and family. Like, hey, next time you're at the store, can you find these? And if you if you find any of these shirts or any of these types of shoes, pick them up and I'll give you a couple bucks each. Right. So I think you might look at it like that. You might not be putting together like a team of like resellers, but you can still develop a team of people who are helping you that aren't necessarily going to become competition because what's the chances that they're going to be going on to Instagram, joining a reseller group and saying like, hey, this guy's paying me a bunch of money to pick up whatever. Right. I mean, think about it. Even this last item, you know, the hot item I've been selling all summer. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been pretty reserved about that. Like, you know, and I think like two other people. And those people aren't even resellers. And I even hesitated telling them. <laughs> so it's just the way it is. All right. And the last one, and this is going to be kind of controversial, but I 100% believe in this. If you want to scale, you got to maybe find time off of work if you're part time. I 100% believe this. I did this. My last three years, I purposely took vacation time. Like I, I remember one week and maybe when Mike was working at the school I was at, I did this. Uh, I, I remember taking, I think I took a total of seven days um, from like mid-November. And now there was a black, there were blackout dates that you can take time off. So I didn't take off during that time. But from like November through the first week of December, and it was worth it to me because the amount of money I made during that time off from sourcing during Q4 was way more than I would have made during that time. Now, I, I was able to use some personal time. But even if I didn't use personal time, it was still worth me paying like whatever. I think it was like you had to pay $180 if you weren't there that day as a teacher. So, And I was a, I was an administrator at that time, so I was in salary, so it didn't matter. But if I was a teacher, I would have still paid that $180 because I would have made two to three K, four K, maybe five K based on what I picked up that day. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, every situation is going to be different, right? If you, if you personally have sick time or I guess sick time isn't the right word. If you've got personal time or you've got um, vacation time that you can utilize and you're okay with it being utilized for work. Now at the same time, I'm a big believer that, you know, you have to take time of rest. You got to take some time with family. And so if you're in a situation where Hey, I get two weeks off a year and, you know, I really just need to go on this trip with my family and I need to spend time with them. Then maybe don't use your vacation or personal time to to work more, right? Like maybe it's worth it for your your emotional health, for your spiritual health, for your family health, whatever it is that you don't do that. But yeah, if you're in a situation where, hey, I get three no questions asked personal time, I already took a vacation with my family or I've got, you know, they give me Christmas and Thanksgiving off. I don't have anything else planned. I'm going to take a couple of these personal days here, knowing that I can do some sourcing. Yeah, I, I think it's wise. It's smart. You just got to be careful not to become a workaholic. I think that there is a huge danger. I feel like majority of the people end up in the opposite end of the spectrum. They end up becoming lazy or apathetic or, you know, just 
they're, they don't do anything. They don't work very hard. They're not trying to get ahead in life. Fewer people end up becoming workaholics and just they are, they're all in 100%. But I think both ends of the spectrum are unhealthy. So I think you want to be cl- maybe a little bit closer to I work really hard, but you don't want to fall into the my entire life is nothing but work. That's my identity. That's everything. So you've got to find what works for you. If If you need the time off, like me personally, I have to have a day at least once a week where I'm not working and there's lots of weeks where it doesn't happen and it shows, right? Like I'm, I'm not as friendly with my family. I'm not as friendly at work. I end up becoming overwhelmed and just stressed out. And so I know for me, I'm more productive the other six days if I can have a day where I'm not as busy. So you got to know what works for you. You got to think about the health of your family, the health of yourself physically, emotionally. Um, but if you have the time available and it's not going to hurt other things absolutely take the time off yeah so i i I agree with you i mean i'm i mean the next point i was gonna make was limiting your holiday stuff (laughs) like what you're gonna do because you can i i you know you know how it is during the holiday season you can plan stuff like almost every day right we're gonna go look at christmas lights today we're gonna go to i mean obviously during the pandemic none of that stuff may be happening but let's say the opportunity is there that is definitely something you can get caught up and you may be losing money. And you got to decide, like Mike said, what is best for you? Maybe these next, this, this year, because of everything happening, maybe this is the year where you put all the holiday stuff on hold and you just go all in because the opportunity is there, right? There's some people that literally since March have not taken a day off. They've just been sourcing or shipping like, I'm not exactly there, but I'm pretty cool. Like I have not stopped because to me, it's like, this is too much of an opportunity for me to take a break. Now you guys have seen me. I've traveled. I've had a good time. It's not like I've been working all the time, but all of it has been with the intention of making it profitable. So, but you don't want to miss out on this opportunity. And I would say if, if, you know, based on what, what's happening, things look like optimistic as far as for Q5 or Q4, whatever you want to call it then maybe this is the time to put everything on hold and work like there's no tomorrow. Or if there's an economic downturn and things slow down, maybe this is the time to spend with family. We're all going to have to wait and see, right? And with sourcing too, you got to be careful with sourcing. Like you got to find where your comfort level is and all that. But I anticipate, my personal belief is going to be an insane Q5. I think it's going to be higher than we've ever seen before. Just because... I, I don't think buying habits are are changing. I, I think even with the economic downturn, the fact that more people are buying online is going to kind of, eat, you know, it's going to level out everything. And we're just going to see more people online than we've ever seen. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. So looking forward to it. Me too. All right, man. Hey, with that being said, hopefully you found this episode. And as always, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late. Mm-hmm.